This is a Therapy for Dads podcast. I'm your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we're reclaiming the narrative of fatherhood, one story at a time. You can follow the journey on Instagram at Therapy for Dads and our website, www.therapyfordads.com. Welcome. Well, Augusta, welcome to take two of the interview on Therapy for Dads with you. For those that don't know, we attempted this last week and this wonderful video platform, which it's been wonderful for the most part. Last week was a lot of glitches and we decided to call it a morning and reset. So welcome to take two, Augusta. How are you doing? I'm doing outstanding, brother. Thank you for having me and, you know, thank you for this outstanding platform for working today. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I know. Thank you. It, it's a difference. It's a difference. So absolutely. And uh, let us uh, get to know you a bit. Where are you calling in from? Um, I'm currently calling in from Atlanta, Georgia, but am born and raised throughout a multitude of areas in Los Angeles, everywhere from Compton, Watts, San Pedro, Long Beach. If there was some kind of city touching Los Angeles or surrounding area, I've lived there. Okay. So birth till about when that you decided to leave the LA area? Birth until, well, leaving the state of California at 35 years okay. old being like okay. you know i'm gonna pick up and go to georgia but still was relatively in the california area uh worked law enforcement for five and a half years out in the middle of nowhere of kern county and uh also you know, lived for the most part when i was in my first marriage in the riverside county area mostly corona paris Moreno valley so still close to la but not quite you know picking up and you know selling everything and moving to atlanta yeah yeah that's a significant move going from kind of an LA Southern California oh, yeah. Southern California guy raised born did, you know did life to Georgia I mean that's yes very very I wouldn't say opposites more similarities you know it's, okay. it's you, of course, know growing living life more similarities than you think but where there are differences they are they are quite different they are quite different what are the like two big differences that you've noticed being in Georgia versus Southern California? Uh, one of the things I've seen is like everywhere else in metropolitan cities, people tend to complain about traffic and mm-hmm. I don't interrupt them. I just listen and I'll sip my coffee and I kind of, you know, get moments of peace because I have flashbacks of like PTSD of the 405, you know, in the five freeway or the 110 on a Thursday at 3 p.m. So traffic here, really not as bad. And I think the other thing is there's uh, it's not really a forced hospitality here. I think the people mm. here, regardless of their race, color, creed, uh, wealth status, everyone for the most part is like 99% genuinely welcoming. It's You huh. can't walk past someone without somebody, hey, good morning, good afternoon. Hey, man, you have a good night. So mm. it's a really comfortable feeling when, you know, in California, we know everyone's in a rush. So the hustle and bustle naturally people, you know, at times we forget to take that half a second just to show someone gratitude, say thank you, or give them basic salutation like good morning. It sounds that those two sound nice to me, the less traffic, and uh, I could relate a little bit you know, I lived in Riverside Corona area for a little bit and drove that, you know, the dreaded 91 freeway for a couple mm-hmm. of years. And that was awful. 
Um, but never, <laughs> yes. it's, for those that are not from California, LA traffic is pretty hor- hor- horrible. It's pretty, um, it's, it's, it's saddening. To go north in Northern California, we have to go through LA. So there's been times that I avoid it and go around up to the 210. Let's just avoid right. it maybe longer, but I don't have to sit in traffic. At least I'm moving. I'd rather move than be like, I mean, yeah, for, move, for the people stop, who are, stop. for the people who are listening, who don't understand that the 210 would seem completely out of the way from taking the straight line through Los Angeles to hit like, the right line to go up north. But right. you're in a sh- you're literally on a shorter trip going all the way around, which mm-hmm. is does it make sense? But as someone who's done it, it totally makes sense. Yes. It's your 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 blood level, your heart rate, <laughs> your everything just kind of stays. It's choosing a more mindful therapeutic approach, as I would say. Versus like, okay, you're just putting yourself into, you're putting yourself into yes. a stressful situation. You know what you're doing. Adding, just know. adding children in the backseat to oh, that. The, yeah. yeah. Pr- protect your mental health. Take the oh, two. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Protect, <laughs> hashtag protect your mental health. Protect Take the your two mental ten. health. Yeah. When you have kids back there, it's like, no, it's, you do not do that. If anyone doesn't get a chance, if you're not from California, just come out and just experience it. Just, it's worth the experience at least one time, just to know. And then you could really be thankful for the freeways that you guys have, um, like Georgia or anywhere else. And what time is it for you there this morning? Uh, it is now? currently 8.08 a.m. Nice. And it's 5.08 over here. So oh, yeah. those that have been listening know that I have actually been meeting some wonderful men across the U.S., across the globe, and we find as fathers times of the day to do recordings with kids and trying to balance this. And so it's always fun to figure out what, what time of the day it is for the, the different guests that come on and, and what time I'm recording at. It's either early morning for me or super late at the night to kind of balance time zones here. Specifically so the Brits. Specifically Specific, the Brits, I believe. Specific, yes. Yeah, specifically the yes. Brits, yeah. Um, so, Augusta, can you tell us a little bit more about your family, dad journey? kind of? My dad journey is, uh, not to necessarily say, for those of you who are listening, if you don't necessarily see this visually, and you possibly don't like hear it in the tone, like I'll deliver mm. a lot of jokes in this, but I am black, uh, if mm. you can't necessarily hear or tell. <laughs> uh, so not to say that my life or my upbringing has mirrored that of a lot of other, you know, black men who come with, you know, the single mother story and all of that. Like that's common, but not as much common as people think. Mm. Uh, For me, you know, my mother, uh, my mother and father were married. Uh, My father was not the greatest of human beings. I'll get to him shortly after this, but uh, my mother met to this day, the person who uh, I always get emotional talking about it, the greatest man I've ever met walking Mm. this earth and my uh, stepfather who raised me, the man who taught me how to frame a window, uh, Mm. how to fix a toilet, how to change oil, rotate a tire, uh, outstanding man, Navy man, go Navy, who y'all shipmates, uh, <laughs> uh, met my stepfather. They've been together for 20 this year. I believe it was 24 years next year. I believe it'll be 25 years. Wow. So I have that quarter in and, um, we grew up all throughout Los Angeles. And because I saw, you know, the way that I was raised, I naturally just had I wanted to be better than my birth dad. So I said, you know, whenever I had children, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be present. I wanted to be active. Uh, Mm -hmm. My stepfather, you know, he did, you know, as we affectionately refer to him as pops, he did all of that. He didn't miss a game. He didn't miss a practice. Uh, You know, despite him owning a business and working as a longshoreman for 20 plus years, he always made the time every other weekend. There was a trip. There was something, you know, it was always a connection. It was always a bond. Uh, one of the things that assisted me on my dad's journey was 
right before my first, well, I would say obtaining my first child, uh, I had a conversation with my birth dad and I was around 22 years old and I was able to ask him why he left, what it was. And I think this is also what got me into mental health. Uh, it was very therapeutic for me to have a real conversation with my, with my, the man who seed helped bring me into the world. Cause a lot of times people don't, it's mm. an uncomfortable calm. And he, me and him had that talk. And after that, we've had a better relationship. And, uh, shortly after that, I was introduced to my dad journey. I met my former wife. She had a three month old daughter. Uh, I adopted my three month old daughter. The only man she's known her entire life is me. Uh, very wow. fitting. My, I always said, uh, I always felt it was God's timing. I always said I would give my, my, father who raised me, I said, I would name my daughter. I would give her my stepfather's middle name. Oddly enough, my daughter's middle name was my stepfather's middle name. So it was like, perfect. So uh, from there, had three more children. Life happens. It comes at you fast. You know, adults make mistakes. But uh, as I tell people, you you know, it's, you've got to be, you got to work in fatherhood regardless. You have to be a dad regardless. Uh, mm. The difficulties, the work, all of that. So in that portion of my dad's journey, now I have four children that I talk to every day via FaceTime, phone call, something. School starts back this coming week. So it's going to be me at probably around 10.30 p.m. here doing FaceTime homework sessions to assist with tutoring with math and English. Uh, so that's that. Um, I'm currently with my soon-to-be wife. We have a two-year-old, soon-to-be three-year-old, who uh, is very much similar to my second oldest daughter. They are almost identical in their actions and attitude. And both of the respective mothers look back at me and say, common denominator. So uh, my dad's journey has been, it's been a whirlwind, you know, from mm. marriage and divorce and learning how to recover from divorce and still being mm. a father and pushing through those difficulties. But I tell people regularly, I would not trade any of this for anything because I feel mm. like every position I've been in, it's allowed me to be a blessing to somebody who's somewhat in that situation. And I don't just tell them from pulling something out of the sky. I could speak to them from the standpoint of a testimony as experience and yeah. give them, you know, the guidance that at times really men and dads don't get. Hmm. Well, I'd love to kind of go through a little, uh, slow it down on a couple of sections that you just shared about, but quick pause, because I have to go quickly tuck my son in. Those that have, th those that notice the cut and splice and film, again, real life, dad, tucking son back in. Fatherhood calls. <laughs> it, it never, it the, calls the life it. of a father never stops. Duty it's calls all day, every day. Duty does, it's 24-7. <laughs> just like with moms, man, it's, it's you gotta do what you gotta do. And I'm trying to let the wife sleep too. So as I'm recording, so if I hear a peep, if I hear a sound, I go in and Tuck them in and husband of the year, sir. Husband of the year. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, so yeah, I guess so. With your couple areas to hone in on and focus would be a little bit of that kind of dadding, and you know what your. I'd love to hear more about your stepdad and kind of uh, the, the 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 role model. It sounds like he was a powerfully positive a man and role model for right. you as as a child, as a teen, and whenever he came in your life, because it sounds like you said mom and him were, they're going to be there 25 years. So if yeah. I do the math right, he came in a little, you know, when I guess you were- He came in, I was just at 10 years old. So I think, uh, I think the, when I say, you know, his getting that therapeutic, you know, conversation from my birth dad being raised by my stepfather. Oddly enough, you know, for people who know me, they know my pops and my dad actually were both- longshoremen they worked together often regularly oh, past wow. each other regularly 
Never any animosity, never any issues. My pops actually told me, he said, you know, man, there was one time where I thought we were going to, you know, he's older, you know, he said, you know, I thought we were going to come to blows. And I'm like, come, come, what? Come to blows? Can you explain that? He's like, I thought we were going to fight. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, I don't, I was like, I don't understand your old man jargon. But he said, you know, but he said, your, your dad came over and he said, you know, man, I appreciate what you're doing for my son and my daughter. Mm-hmm. And to this day, like when I tell people they're thrown off because they're like, oh man, they, they didn't fight. They didn't war. I said, no, man. And they were, my pops was very much an adult. He just was like, I'm not going to fight over something like this is still, he never said an ill word or Mm. any issues in Seeing that is really like really guided me to see somebody who was, I don't have to get in a confrontation if I don't have, I don't have to be negative. I could be positive. I don't have to have beef with other men. I could love my son. I could tell my son I love him, even Mm. though at times with him, it was still very difficult because, you know, he's from that era where. You know, I always speak from the perspective as, you know, a black man who's a father. He grew up in an era where like black men weren't really hugging their kids. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was like a push because you had to be hard. You know, you mm-hmm. got to be tough. You got to be the breadwinner. So I think watching him and then somewhat adapting some of his styles was like his assisted me to be the father I am today. And I think also seeing him, you know, at my events, at events and in concerts and whatever it was, that was another reason why I took, you know, somewhat the path that I took. He would be at my events and I would see so many young men who looked like me, whose mothers were there as their agent or their representative. Mm -hmm. And here was my mother and father. And in some cases, it was my mother, my father and my birth dad all together. Wow. And, you know, in pictures, supportive, non-confrontational. And I look back at those days and say, there's like I said, somebody's got to be able to like intervene because you know when it does happen when there's not the father in the home as someone who's seen it firsthand as a civilian and working in law enforcement in, i know it, it it just isn't good it mm. just is not good yeah you mentioned that earlier that as you're introducing yourself that stereotype that typical you, you know saying as a black man you would think that i wouldn't have a dad right you're speaking to something right. i guess within your cultural community is more prevalent or has been but then having a father and being able to, and kind of the benefit of your, your stepfather who was there and then your dad who would come and having these conversations is having two. And you mentioned that image of you at a, at a game and having all three there supporting you, not just mom right. and not that that's bad, but you saw a difference. And so I'm wondering if you could speak to a bit about that of, of okay, you, you grew up with a father, but I'm sure had friends that didn't. And I'm, I'm just wondering, especially coming from the African-American community, the differences of having a dad around and, and the impact of that on you as a man. And, you know, then and now. and Absolutely. Um, the best way for me to describe that is there's a picture of me, uh, you know, in California, you don't graduate from elementary school, you promote, you know, they wanted to throw that term on there. You know, you're promoting to junior high school. And in the picture is uh, me and through elementary school, I had like seven really close friends. Two, I still talk to one at least twice a month. He just had his first child. And the other I talk to twice a year. He lives in Northern California and is in medical school. The other four who are in this one picture, one is serving a life sentence for Mm. the most heinous of of taking a life. Uh, Mm. The other is serving, I believe, 20 years for a robbery that ended in injury. Uh, The other is in and out of jail every month. And the other is constantly ducking 
the law. My kids, my oldest daughter saw this picture once and she asked me, dad, who are these people? And she asked me while, you know, my parents were visiting our home at the time when I was married. And I looked at my mother and I looked at my father and I broke down in tears Mm. because I'd realized the only difference between me and them was when I went home, not to, you know, say like my mother wasn't an outstanding woman. She's the best. There's None can compare all of that good stuff you say about your mom. But I had a male voice in the house, someone who I could bounce questions off of, someone who I could, who understood me as a man and would be like, hey, pops, I'm thinking about doing this. And someone to be like these, who was honest enough to be like, man, there's there's consequences with those actions, son. You don't want to do this. You don't got to fit in. You could be you. People still appreciate you. Be your, his big thing. Be your own man. Be of character. Mm. All of that. So I didn't necessarily go the route of other people. And I keep that picture. I keep it because it's the reminder of like, I'll look at that picture and will randomly call my father. Hey, Pops, what you doing? Uh, nothing. Just want to say I appreciate you and love you, man. Mm. Love you too, son, because I'm like, I I understood that was the only difference. We all lived in the same neighborhood. We were all, none of us, you know, were rich. None of us were, you know, exactly poor or impoverished, but none of us were rich. We were all one paycheck from being homeless. All mm. of us at one time were on welfare, some form of government assistance. But the difference was when my father came in, he elevated our lives. Even though we were in the same areas, when you came into our home, those mm. same people would visit my house regularly. And they knew the difference. Like they were asking my dad questions. They were asking my mom, could she help them with things? Because there was, I had this really awesome two parent household. And like I said, there's nothing wrong if you're in, you know, the single mother or single father and you're doing the best you can. But for me as someone who grew up in the two parent household, I know like it is specifically in this community, it is night and day with respect to the growth and the progress and the opportunities you present for a child. Because just moving that one voice from the home, man, it is a game changer in all of the wrong ways. Hmm. Wow. And the buddies that would come over when you were younger, was that like a conversation? Did they ever say, I like coming, you got your dad, like I like was that kind of an awareness of, hey, I like this house? I mean, we gravitated towards your home because of that, or was that not actually an to, awareness? To, I believe, one of one of them who, you know, who I said is constantly ducking the law. He still sees my mother when she visits California, and they read an event two years ago, and he had um, he had some people with him. You know, I'd shown up fresh off of work, so, you know, I had a uniform and a gun and a badge and everything in the car, and I'm talking to a buddy who I know from LAPD, and there's these three dudes who look kind of, you know, kind of off, and I'm watching and, you know, being a cop, surveying the area, and there's a fourth dude, and the fourth dude walks over, and the three dudes come over really tough, and the fourth dude is my buddy who I've known since preschool kindergarten. Oh, man, and it's all love, and it's, man, how you doing? And he sees my mother, and he hadn't seen my mother. He'd been away on vacation as we say. Um, And he'd been away on vacation for about four years and he just runs and he hugs and picks up my mother and he's all man. And these dudes are like, is that your mom? Your aunt? He's like, man, you know, this lady, you know, when when my mom was strung out on drugs, it was this Mm -hmm. and that. Like he understood as a kid what it was. Even now to this day, like there's, you know, anything that would happen when my parents were out of town or this, you know, he would, hey, look, you know, you know, ma, if you need anything, let me know if you, if you ever, 
if you have any problems, if there's this, please just let me know. Because he understood at a young age, like the spirit and the attitude in this house is very different from the one I go home to. There's there's like peace in this house. He would mm. see my mother cooking. He, you know, friends who mm. would come by to visit would see, okay, well, where's, is your dad home? No, he's at work. Oh, you have a dad and he works? And there was an inherent difference that was clear. It was explicit. It wasn't like, uh, maybe no, it was clear. Like, okay, wow. in this house, there's something different about this house. And I always wanted that for my children because I'd saw both sides. I had the close friends who did not have really that structure and that foundation. Like I said, not to say you can't get it from, you know, the single mother or the single father, but everyone who's a parent knows if whether you're married, dating or co-parenting, everyone who understands in this like parenting journey, you're not going to be able to give everything to that kid. You need, you need that other person to kind of give the feedback and the guidance, et cetera. Yeah. I, and I, yeah, single parents, quick comment on that. I don't honestly don't know how people do that if I'm honest um so I say props to any parent who's any single mom single dad trying to raise children it's it's a on top of just it's a lot of work being a parent yeah. um and so like you said it's a fan fantabulous not even a word amazing single parents out there that are doing the oh, best no, I'm using fantabulous this week I'm using that <laughs> yeah I don't know where that came from it's probably early morning brain <laughs> fantabulous that are doing amazing jobs raised trying doing their best to provide for their children going back to your story and your the area you grew up in and within your community seeing there is a difference um and your friends other buddies that didn't have that environment gravitated toward your home. You said there was a peace in the air. It was a different feel knowing, oh, you said it yourself. Oh, you have, you know, you have a dad and he works. So there, it's like this immediate awareness of, oh my gosh, and your mom's cooking and home and not strung out. And so there was a whole thing going on that it wasn't just having a dad in the home and a mom, but also who they were as people, right? Right, because I'm sure you had friends. Maybe, maybe not. You can speak to this. Maybe you had that uh, two parent home that maybe it wasn't the best environment, and that's still. Oh yeah, right. there were there were a lot of people who I think that's where there's a you know, and I said I, I'm, I'll save that a topic for another day. But I think there's even back then and for now, I think people push for so much. Like we just finished reading the book Marriage Goals by Pastor Michael Todd, and it's a great book, and everyone uses hashtag Marriage Goals, Marriage Goals, and I'm like, mm. marriage should be the goal. I'm like, but the problem I think is, is even back then with those couples, everyone was so big on marriage. It was like, you don't even have a, just a general healthy relationship. Like you have a marriage for the sake of having a marriage. And it's like, you just need a, a healthy relationship. Like what hmm. you can't have one, well, you can have one way out the other, but it's not, it's not going to be a good product. You're just doing it to say we're married. And I'm like, that's affecting your kids that goes back to the therapy thing of like, now you're, you're in this marriage where your children see you and they're like, well, I have a mom and a dad and they live in the mm -hmm. same home. Okay. But is like, is there chaos or is there peace? You know, do your parents pour into each other? Are they both on E to where they can't pour into each other? And then you're on E because they can't pour mm -hmm. into you. Like there's no affirmations, there's no love, there's no extensions of it, none of that in mm -hmm. the crib. So it's like now, you know, I mean, are you, yeah, you have the two parents in the household, but where's their character? Where like, where does their love lie, their faith, all of those mm -hmm. things. So yeah, I, I saw that growing up. I had a couple of people who they grew up in households where they you know, they had both parents, but you just felt it when you visited, like you're, this isn't the same. Like even as we might've been 12, 13 and we were cognitive of the fact your parents are married, but they're really not. 
Like they're kind of roommates. You could sense it. It's yeah. a it's a felt sense. You walk in the room, you're like, oh yeah, the tension. Yeah, oh, most def, def. Yeah, and I, I've definitely had that for sure experience of walking into homes and knowing, oh, this this is uh, different than <laughs> some other homes I've been in, and and um, it's true. It's like even as a kid, you f- you may not always have language for it, right, when you're younger, but you could. I call it that felt sense. You walk in and you're like, you could sense it in your body. And, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, this is different. I don't know if I want to come back here as much. Yeah, um, it's going to be a one-time and, visit. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm good. Thanks. Nice to meet you folks, but <laughs> I'm not coming back. Going back again to that, the dad and having him. And obviously your parents had, like you said, a there was a good relationship good marriage they were they were present it wasn't just that they were roommates but they worked on their relationship and you felt it um and going back to your stepdad who you call um pops right is that yes looking back now what are like two or three things that his influence on you and how it impacted you as a dad today like looking at who he was his character as a man as your as your stepfather what are like two or three things that you're like yeah this is really what helped shape me that that i know that if i didn't have i like you kind of hinted at earlier, and maybe I would have probably taken a different path. But you know, just, I'm just curious if you can put it into like two or three things of like this is what that fatherly role figure meant for me and how it impacted me. I wonder if you kind of speak to that. Right. Um. The first I could say is uh, duty. Uh, the first thing he taught me, I think, was seeing him was duty. Uh, like uh, in ethics, they talk about, uh, I think it's Immanuel Kant, Kantian ethics. And Kant believed in duty. Like that was his whole deal. Like you do it because of duty. You do it out of, well, there's no, no. Like you're morally obligated to do this. Mm-hmm. So I think primarily with him, you know, and even conversations with him in the past couple of years, shooting the past couple of months, like, hey, why did you do this? He was like, it, w- it was my job. Like, it it was my job, man. Like, I was your father. Like, hey, man, why did you take us here or do this? Because I had to. But then every time where he was like, there was this duty, you know, he was like, it wasn't just because I had to. Of course I had to because I was your father because I wasn't going to neglect you. But I also did it. He said, when I would question my duty, I realized it wasn't just duty. I wanted to. Mm. There was a passion. There was a love there. So I think with him, it was, you know, just the spirit of want to. And uh, I believe the other thing that I learned from him was just presence. And, you know, it'll it'll seem while wow, presence over presence, you know, C-E over T-S, mm-hmm. like the ability to be there, whether by phone call, video, trips, vacations, homework, your presence there in your child's life. It's man, it's going to outweigh anything of dollar amount ever. Uh, I could say when we were growing up, we got, you know, gifts. Uh, you know, like I said, you know, Pops was very different. I think like for my 12th birthday, I really wanted like a PlayStation or I can't even remember. It might have been the first PlayStation or second PlayStation. I really wanted that. Ask me what I got instead. <laughs> what did you get instead? A toolbox, a 32-piece socket set, a monkey wrench, a number of tools. And he said, you know, you show me a man with no tools, I'll show you a man with no hands. Hmm. And I didn't get it. Then I, you know, was sitting up on a roof one day and I'm working on a roof and I'm like hanging the door. And I said, man with no tools, a man with no hands. And I realized like that physical presence, why he got uh, why he bought me that and he got my sister or something, you know, for like track because she was interested in running. Like mm-hmm. our birth dad was like, you know, I'm going to send this money in this, but we hadn't seen him in two mm-hmm. years. And I realized, like, I feel like you said that felt feeling as a kid, man, mm-hmm. I really appreciate more this time 
time than I do this dollar because that dollar is it's really meaningless. It's, you know, the shoes are going to get small. You know, the shirt's going to shrink. You know, that 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 food's going to get eaten. But that time where you were just in the park and we just ran around aimlessly, like throwing mm. a football for two hours. Man, I'm never going to forget that. Yeah. So I took that from him and was like, I really want to emphasize time with my kids. And I think as fathers, we were so stuck on, I got to provide, I got to do this, that, you know, ah, well, I'll make the time when I can forgetting like, look, man, like you, you know, as you said, you know, team, you know, team member of the Goodman mob coming up, you know, third one. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's like that time just goes. And I'm like, as much yeah. as I want to spend money and pour this, man, I'd much rather be like, hey, let's just sit on the phone for an hour and just talk. Like dad's seven Mm. states away. Hey, dad's here for a week. I just want to spend four days. We don't even have to go anywhere. We could just Mm. hang at a hotel and eat popcorn and do, but it's like really valuing time. Time and duty were like the two biggest things I got from him. Wow. It really does sound like it it has significantly impacted you. And and you knew it as a kid of what you really wanted is that I really wanted that intentional present father, not just the one who dropped money off. Right. Right. And not that that wasn't helpful or bad, but it it was a different, it was a different investment of, it it was relational, more relational. I may forget the shoes, but we're playing ball. And that's something I'm always going to cherish is doing this because you took the time to be with me to hang out. And there's that relational equity of investment and then feeling that knowing, okay, that it's not just duties for duty's sake, but it's duty kind of after the fact of being present and having relationship. It was like relationship. And then duty on top of that of right and and almost like he could speak to duty and model it because of the relational equity versus just duty 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 and there's nothing in between it's like this big gap is that kind of that's absolutely what you would yeah. say um and, and with that with the dad and and you could be speaking from I know your experience which is not everyone's experience but at least from your experience with those buddies the the four that you said that that went off. And made some different choices versus the other buddies that had dads and you saw them where they went and you saw the significant impact on the lives of these friends who had a home that was more intact. And, you know, you hear that said, like the fatherless in the African-American community, it's a big deal. It's a big epidemic. Can you speak to today? Is that just is that as true? Is it is it improving? Is it getting better where that sh- that narrative has been shifting? Is it like, what is the reality now? Is that something you can speak to? I, I think the narrative is still there because it's difficult. It's difficult to break. Like uh, okay. the best example I could give you is, you know, you're you're from California. So, you know, mm-hmm. you've lived throughout California. You've heard all the different stories of, you know, Compton, when people reference Compton mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people's reactions, like, yeah, yeah and they think, you know, it, yeah. it is, yeah. it is ice cube videos. It is, yep. you know, the old door knocking. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, I'm like, and I'll always ask, well, have you ever been to Compton? No. I'm like, there are like, there are like, it's like white brothers walking around with buns and like Birkenstock with poodles. There's a Starbucks, <laughs> a lot of different places. I'm like, it is, it is not what you think it is like there's still some elements i'm like but it's just like every other city you know it's still it's adjacent to metropolitan it is gentrified up i'm like so it's not that so i say Mm -hmm. the same thing about you know with respect to when people talk you know like like black fathers in the home i asked them like how many how many black married couples do you know how many Mm -hmm. black fathers do you know well you know i don't know that many well i know you know this many okay is he married well no does he co-parent 
you know, with that person. No, they live together. They're together. They're just not married. And even with respect to that, like that's one of the things that when people look at the stats, they go, well, they're still not. And I'm like, well, if you look at the CDC's numbers, the thing that they always discount is, you know, there's a, well, you know, there are none in the home. No, I mean, we're just not, folks just aren't getting married. Like most of the black fathers who I know are like cohabitating with, you know, like their old lady. And I'm like, hey, bro, y'all going to get married? I mean, one day, like your son's 17, dog, just pull the trigger. Hmm. Like it's it's been one day for almost two decades. I'm like, no, like statistically, they're more present. They're co-parenting, all of that. But it's going to take a lot to destroy the narrative. But there's, you know, Mm -hmm. that's why I was like, I want to, you know, I was like, yeah, that's why I'm here, you know, to kind of crush that narrative, you know, for, you know, the, the, the fathers who, you know, are, you know, I, I tell people when you listen to my podcast or you support it, I don't care if you're a husband, a spouse, a boyfriend, a divorcee, everybody from husband to baby daddy. I'm trying to help you to be the best possible father you could be. But there's far more black fathers active. But I think the we just don't hear it often because it's, mm. it's it's immediate thing. It's it's what's the old saying from like the guy from the Chicago Tribune and where, where he coined the term in like 79 or 78, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. It's not a cool story. You know, if it's, Hey, you know, some dad, you know, started like a baseball league. It's not, that doesn't sell as much as like, sadly, like the sad story. So, yeah. you know, you know, until, you know, news wants to start doing still, you know, more awesome think pieces or, well, you know, Hey, here's a black dad who started like a library club. The narrative will continue. Yeah. Which is, I find that truly sad and that that's what sells. And unfortunately it's these narratives. And so it's sad to me that we don't hear more about the the change because you still hear that. Like you said, growing up, you hear Compton and you think you have that image, right? Cause you don't, you've never been there right. or, or having, you know, how many African-American couples do you know? And because we go by, you know, one person or something we see on the TV, it's like, right. oh, this must be a thing. And, and that becomes the whole, you know, that becomes you know, the whole yeah. re- reality. Yeah. And you did say that there is still not an issue, I guess an issue. I don't know what, what your word you would use, but there's still a need for growth Absolutely. and the narrative needs to change and that you're part of your heart is to do that. Right. And and you kind of plugged it quickly. But could you could you quickly plug the work you're doing? Yeah. So, uh Augusta C. Foster, that's my government. You'll probably Google me. You'll find all my tax information, my mortgage info, all that, because it's, it's public record. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's like my Instagram. So like I'd uh, really, um, as as a side note, if you're listening to this and you're and you're wondering, like if the woman who you're dating, like I will make this very quick for you. If this woman pours into you, she invests into you emotionally, all of these things, and she uplifts you and she's there for you in your times of down and this woman is like actively praying for you, man, lock that thing down, lock it down. Really, it was my soon to be wife who, you know, we were just having a conversation and she's lift across the table. She was like, you should write a book. I was like, why? She was like, you know, you always talk about, you know, like black dads who don't get this. And you talk about like divorced dads who don't get this. She was like, you talk about mental health. She was like, you know how many black male therapists I know? Not that many. She was like, you know how many books on divorce and like real things I know? Like not that many that weren't like giving like specifics. She was like, write a book, do something with your time. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, Okay, Sudi, like, thank you. And from there, like, it was really cathartic. Like, I wrote like two short ebooks. I started mm. doing the podcast, and I was like, yeah, like, this is a level of therapy for me. You know, I got active with, you know, a different group of uh, therapy groups and B groups and 
if you're listening to this and you happen to be, you know, one of Travis's 8,000 uh, African-American listeners, uh, <laughs> please uh, <laughs> check out um, uh, like uh, Black Men Health. Great group. All of that. Yeah. So it was mm. like for me, that was big. So I was like, yeah, man, I was like, this is a need to be filled. And, you know, mm. I, I sold some books, done some, you know, like sessions with people, not even from the standpoint of just counseling, but like random people calling me on Instagram live being like, hey, can I talk to you? And I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, can I like Instagram talk to you? Like, look, man, like, I, you know, going through a divorce or I'm having this issue or I'm looking for a lawyer. And I'm like, yeah, man, you know, just being able to encourage men. And mm-hmm. I could, you know, like I said, encouraging men, not even just that look like me, just men in general who are like, hey, man, like, I appreciate the content and like this post because I really felt that way. And like mm. the way you explained it, like I didn't think anybody else thought that way. Like I appreciated that. So yeah, man, I'm I'm all about you know supporting all men and specifically in my community, encouraging man, encouraging black men to be fathers regardless, and really, really mm. pushing therapy, <clears throat> really pushing therapy. Mm. So it's called it's Black Men Help. Is it dot com or is it a is Black it Men? A, uh, you could find it on Instagram. Black Men. Instagram. Sorry, Black Men Heal. Yeah, black there's heal. it's okay, yeah it's it's. Great weekly Zoom classes. Uh, love it okay. right now because we got a. There's a couple Latino brothers in there. I prefer to everybody as brother. Like there's okay. like there's a couple Latino brothers in there. We got a, a two real cool white brothers in there who you know they just like one finally started speaking. For the most part, he's like, no man, I'm just sitting back. And finally, you know, he came forward and you know they were like, well, you know, what brought you here? And uh, we all kind of laughed because he said, well, you know, my wife is black and she told me, you know, I need to be around, you know get engaged, you know, with like some, some black men who were in her family. And he was mm-hmm. a veteran and, you know, he didn't like the way the VA's process was going. And he was like, look, man, you know, being in this group of Charles, like really been, really been helpful. Mm-hmm. Cause like you guys are talking about issues where, you know, not even, you know, from me, it's like a white guy. I fully understand, but like, just me, it's like being a man, like I, mm-hmm. I dig it. So yeah, man, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that therapy game, man. Okay. I'm all so about black, it. Black men heal. I love it. So I'm going to, yeah. um, I'm definitely going to find and start following and supporting that as well. Um, because I want to help all men of all colors. Absolutely, man. Heal and have tools, have support, you know, as, as a mental health professional myself, it's like, yeah, I want to help all, all men. I mean, that's my heart. Part of why right. I do what I'm doing is to help men just race, ethnicity, creed, doesn't matter. It's like, no, I'm here that we're all men and fathers trying to, to grow and kind of normalize mental health, normalize Ab- that, asking that part for help. Right there, right. the um, normalization of the mental health that right. so many of us ignore. Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone.